Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. Well, hope you're doing well. I hope you've enjoyed your week, and I don't know how many homeschool mamas are out there, homeschool daddies. I'll tell you what, uh, I bet you didn't think you would be going back to school again this time. Man, we were doing homework before. But now it's like, man, goodness gracious, Haley told me, she sent me a clip of someone, I don't know who it was, that sent it to her, and this lady was on there talking about, dear Jesus, I love you, but you know I'm not a homeschool teacher. And she went on this whole prayer about how, you know, she wasn't fit for this job that was going on right now. So we feel it, we know who you are, man, we know how tough it is right now, we're just praying that uh, God helps you through all this, and no matter who you are and what you're dealing with right now, I can tell you this much is true, all of us are in the same boat, no one is on their own, we're all kind of dealing with this stuff together, and today we're going to start a series that really, this was originally what we were going to start, and it was a series called Greater Than, that was, we were originally supposed to start today, Palm Sunday, and we were going to have kids and we had all this stuff planned for the kids, kind of as like a, uh, a time for them to worship God, and some planning that we had. Really, we're going to be working on all this stuff, but, you know, I will see today is totally different. It's completely different. But we're still, I really felt like this series was timely, and it was time to begin uh, this series. And so I'm going to talk to you today. I'm actually combining a message. I was going to start today with a message called Greater Than Kings, but since next week on Easter Sunday, we're actually going to be live at the fairgrounds, and if you don't have information on that, we'll Put that on their screens there. You can see that posted up for you. But because we're going to be live at the fairgrounds on Easter, uh, we're going to stream live from there. I may share a couple of things, but we're going to stream live from there. I combined the messages for this week and next week kind of into one, and I titled it this, Greater Than the Kings of Death. And you know, I don't know if you've ever seen this fight before or if you remember this. It depends on who you are. Probably some of the guys will remember this. If you're younger, you may not even know who these people are I'm about to name. But nonetheless... Uh, these are real boxers that really fought at one point. But on February the 11th in 1990, there was a fight that took place in Tokyo. And it was a fight that was considered to be very mundane. It was supposed to have been just a, yeah, just an easy fight for one boxer. Another guy was a complete underdog. The odds actually were 40, um, uh, 42 to 1 against one boxer and obviously in favor of the other. And the fight was between a guy by, by the name of, and many of you may not know who this is now, God bless you, but for many people, you still remember Iron Mike Tyson. Iron Mike Tyson looked so deadly with black trunks until he began to talk, and he said, I know I'm here to fight you. He's talking real quiet, and I, he was not very intimidating at all, except when he was in the ring. He was considered to be the baddest and the biggest man in the boxing ring. He stepped into the ring with a guy by the name of Buster Douglas, basically a no-name boxer, had no opportunity, no chance. He was a complete underdog. But Douglas, when he stepped into the ring, he shocked everybody because what most people didn't understand, he had this kind of eye of the tiger in his, in his look, you know, when he stepped into the ring. Most people didn't understand what just happened to him. His wife had left him not many, you know, maybe a month before. His mom died 23 days before the fight, and most people thought he wouldn't continue, but he did anyway. And Tyson said this about Buster Douglas after it was all over. Douglas, by the way, knocked out Tyson in the 10th round. He was a man that just couldn't, he just wouldn't, he even got knocked down once, but he got back up. And Tyson said about Douglas, he said this, it's hard to fight a man 
with nothing to lose. And you know this is true, man. Coaches will tell you this, man. When you fight an underdog, most coaches will always tell their team, listen, don't get in here thinking that you're just going to automatically win because an underdog has nothing to lose. They're not going for a championship. They know they're not going to win but a few games this year. But when they're lined up against somebody that's really big and really popular and really trying to win a championship, they pull out all the stops, trick plays, all kinds of you know, unique play options that they run because they want to win. They want to bring down the champion. And all of us have seen an underdog win to defeat the odds. And usually they're a combination of two things. This is a quote by Capello, or Capello, however you want to pronounce it, but he's a boxing owner, a boxing gym owner in Massachusetts. In Massachusetts. And it says this. <clears throat> he says, there's two things that were proven right about this fight on that night. One, never underestimate an opponent. Never underestimate an opponent. Two, never believe that you are invincible as a fighter. Because as you saw, anyone can be beaten. And right now, you know what it seems like? It seems like you only hear from one side of the fight. Right now, it seems like all you hear about is the virus and what it can do. And we know all the strands it can mutate into. And we've got all this information about the virus and how bad and how deadly it is. And it's true. Everything that they're telling you about this thing is, is real. There's nothing, there's nothing that I don't think they're making up about it. I believe it is all you know, true. Regardless of what people say, the conspiracy theorists and all these people that say that all this stuff's out there. Listen, I, I, I think it's real. I do. I think it's real. But that seems to be all that we hear. Um, the idea is that it's bad. You can't beat it. It's got momentum. You know, what are you going to do to stop it? And we'll hide out in our homes for six months to a year, and eventually that'll run its course, and then we'll be fine. But the idea is that what an underdog doesn't do, and I would say that we would consider ourselves right now the underdog, it's what an underdog doesn't do. It doesn't ignore its opponent's strengths. So in other words, you should wash your hands. <laughs> you know, you ought to do the things that they tell you to do right now. Wash your hands. You know, I don't know, brush your teeth. Whatever you got to do, right? You should be good hygiene right now as a, as a premium and a, and a most important thing. But what an underdog also does, it fights as if it has nothing to lose. And it hit me that, you know, with all the things that are going on right now, you know, we as humans, we're approaching this as if we have something to lose. We're approaching this as if right now we have something great that we're going to lose if the virus wins. And that might be true. You know what? Maybe we do have some things that we might lose. But I think the thing that we don't talk about enough is what's really on everybody's mind. The idea that if we lose, it's not so much that I might lose my job. It's not so much that I might lose some things, some stocks, or some, you know, some freedoms, it's the idea that I might lose my life. Because ultimately, if you think about it, really, it's not the virus that people are afraid of. It's what the effects of the virus can do. That's what we're afraid of. And God has always had to go up against something that seemed greater in Israel's mind or in Christians' minds. And the Bible has always given us clear scripture and direction and, and, and stories of where God's people went up against something that was greater, like David and Goliath, true underdog story, right? But God, there's all these stories in the Bible. And I'm going to give you a couple of them today that really tie into, again, this idea that, that what people really were afraid of, it was death. And the first one is this. It's, is this, it's Pharaoh. And I would say this, that God is... 
And you can just maybe write this down somewhere in your notes or whatever. But God is greater than Pharaoh. And Pharaoh could be anything in your life right now, but Israel had to face off against a ruler that said you can't win. And Pharaoh refused to release them. He, he, he thought that he was invincible. That's what Pharaoh thought. And I'll read this to you from Exodus chapter 5. If you want to turn your Bible there, I'll give you a couple of scriptures today. But listen to this. He kept Israel enslaved not by force. Because the Bible declares about Israel, they far outnumbered the Egyptians, insomuch so that before he came into power, the previous Pharaoh before him said, we've got to do something about these Israelites because they have outnumbered us. If they realize how big they are, they might overtake us as Egyptians. So they enslaved them. And they did not, watch this, they did not enslave them by force, but by fear. They were completely intimidated by the Egyptians. They were afraid. Not because they were so, they were harsh taskmasters, yes, but they had instilled fear. They pushed the first group into so much fear that the next generation just bought into it and they were all in fear. And so watch what this conversation went like with Exodus chapter 5 and verse 1. And this is where Moses and Aaron, they went before Pharaoh and they said, listen, God said to let my people go. And so Pharaoh says this, let my people go. Or this is what Moses says. Let my, God says, let my people go so that they might hold a festival in my honor in the wilderness. And he's referring to the Passover, which we're going to talk about starting Wednesday night, this Wednesday at 8 p.m. live with Ron Silberman from Israel. So you don't want to miss that. On Facebook Live, it'll be 8 o'clock this Wednesday night, all seven days of Passover. They said they want to hold a festival in honor of his name in the wilderness. And so Pharaoh said, watch this. Look at the, the pride in his voice, if you will, verse 2. He said, is that so, retorted Pharaoh. And he says, and who is the Lord? And why should I listen to him and let Israel go? I don't know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. He had such a brash about his voice and such an arrogance in his voice that said, I don't know who this God is you're talking about, but I refuse to let you go. And the one thing right now that we probably all realize right now at this time is this, is that not any of us are invincible. I heard one guy say this on a, a news media. I can't remember which one I've watched. And you guys know this. I don't watch a lot of news, but now I'm, I'm kind of forced to because of all that's going on. Uh, to kind of hear what's going on, keep up with things a little bit more. I usually read a, a newsletter or a newspaper that I get. But one guy said this. He said, you know, in, in talking about the virus and all the things that are going on, he said, no longer is it about wealthy or poor, about famous or infamous, about healthy or sick. You are not immune to this virus. If you were immune to this virus, none of us would be in our homes right now, would we? We would not be using, as my little five-year-old says, sanitizer. She does not call it sanitizer. She calls it sanitizer. So that's now the new name that, that we have in our house, get the sanitizer. You know, that's what she says. If we were so invincible, if we felt like we were so invincible, we would not wash our hands so much. We would not use this stuff. The reality is we all know that we are not invincible. And the one thing, again, that the virus is doing more than making people sick, it is making people afraid. And you see it more and more every single day. You hear more and more about this every single day. And the thought occurred to me was this, is, is this statement, I'll, I'll give this to you, is that what might happen has gripped us greater 
than what will happen. What might happen has enslaved us more than what actually will happen. And that is the fear of death. You know, we probably don't talk about this near as much as we should. But it's front and center now, isn't it? I mean, it's got everybody's attention now. This thing called the fear of death, you know, it can enslave you and it can paralyze your life. No matter who you are, no matter how young you are, no matter how old you are right now, all of a sudden, every one of us are in our homes because of one reason. We don't want to die. You know, I think somebody told me, I'm not sure this is true, and maybe you could you know, fact check this, but the guy that used to sing this song propped me up beside the jukebox before I die. I don't, I want to go to heaven, but I don't want to go tonight. Someone said that this guy died, the guy that wrote that song. I, you know, I think his name is Joe Diffie, I mean, because of this virus. And maybe that's true, I don't know. But nonetheless, the song, think about the lyrics, everybody wants to go to heaven, nobody wants to go right now. We got stuff to do. We got things to be at. We have dreams and goals and visions. But the reality is this. The fear of death can enslave you. It can paralyze you. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. And I want you to hear this from these, the kings of death, if you will. But, but in Psalms 91, listen to what Psalms 91 says. That we are to live in the shelter of the Most High and find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This is why even in shelter, we shelter in God even in our sheltering. We're not sheltering from the virus. There's a big difference in the two. I'm not, I'm not hiding out in my house because I'm afraid of the virus. No, I'm sheltering in my house under the shelter of the Almighty. There's a great post. I encourage you to go check it out on one of our Facebook links right there from the beautiful team, our women's minister here at the church. But uh, Bobby is a part of that uh, team there. She posted a great, about a five-minute video. It's worth your time in listening to. I encourage you all about the shelter of the Almighty. So go and check that out. But all of us, I want to say this, all of us, listen very carefully here, um, all of us meet death at some point. It is, it is inevitable. You're, you're going to die one day. I am too. And as for a Christian, if that scares you, then we need to revisit the idea of what we actually believe. Again, I think it's totally true what's going on. The virus, it's what might happen has gripped us more than what will happen. It's the idea that, oh my goodness, what if I get sick? What if I die? Hey, listen, you're going to die. If it's from a virus or natural causes or whatever. God declared this. Listen, man's not going to live past about 120 years of age. I was watching a 91-year-old the other day doing gymnastics online. It was crazy. I was like, this can't be true. But it was. She was flipping and rolling and doing all kind of cartwheels. And I thought, man, 91, that's awesome. That's what I want to do when I'm 91. But you know what? At some point, she's going to meet her maker too. And the idea that somehow all of a sudden that a virus keeps us in fear so much that we're so afraid. Listen, we should not fear a virus more than we should fear God Almighty. Jesus said this, you're afraid of this or you're afraid of that. You ought to be afraid of the one that has the power over life and death. The fear of death, man, it ensnares people. It it causes you to be afraid. And Jesus encountered this not just with God and through Pharaoh, but he encountered this personally on the planet with Satan himself. Listen to what Satan said to Jesus. He wanted him to know that he was in control of this. In Matthew chapter 4 and verse 8, and we'll call this king, if you will, and you may think, well, is Satan really a king? Of course he, he is. 
But God is still greater than Satan. But listen to what Satan told Jesus, Matthew 4 and verse 8. He said, next, the devil took him up to the peak of a very high mountain, and he showed him all of the kingdoms of the world and their glory. So he showed him everything that he could have. And he said this, I will give it all to you, he said, if you just kneel down and worship me. And Jesus gave the the best remark that we all should give. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only God him. Satan took him up to this high place to show him all of these things that he owned. And before you think for a minute, well, no, Satan didn't really own that. Yes, he did. The Bible was very clear about this. If he didn't, Jesus would have said, you're a liar. He didn't say he was a liar. He said, no, I refuse to worship you. Get out of here, Satan. He, he knew that Satan was the God of this world. And what Satan was trying to push to Jesus is this. Hey, listen, you know your destination, right? I know you know your destination because I know your destination. This idea that you're going to come in and redeem all these people. You understand that you're going to have to go to that cross. I know you can see it. I know you can sense the death that's coming. You don't really want to endure that, do you? You don't want to go through that process, do you? What you really want, Jesus, is all of this. Look at all the good things that you can have in life. Listen, I can give you this, and I can give you that, and I can give you this. If you'll just bow down and worship me. What was Jesus trying to, what was Satan trying to do to Jesus? He's trying to bargain with him and saying, listen, if you'll bow down to me, I'll give you all these things and you don't have to deal with death. Hey, listen, you can have the good life. And Jesus caught him right in the very trap and said, listen, I know exactly who you are. I know exactly what you're trying to do. And that is my destination as it is with all people. But my destination is the cross. Get out of here, Satan. Let me just say this to all of us right now. It might look like the enemy is winning sometimes, but you need to understand this, that God is still in control of things, regardless of feast or famine. Paul said this, whether I'm content or whether I have an abundance of things in my life or whether I'm in poverty, my God shall supply all of my needs according. You see, we we like it in America when everything is going great, when things are good. Man, we can amen and come to church and the music's loud and I can shake hands with as many people as I want to. But man, when we get off of our rock just a little bit, we get in fear and we're afraid to even move. And I'm just telling you right now, God is still in control. Job said, even if he slay me, yet will I trust him. But the only way we say that is when we get more confident in our destination than in our current circumstance that we're in right now. I'm telling you, the virus is bad. And yes, it stinks. And I hate it. I hate seeing sickness and disease, and I hate seeing what people are going through, and I hate the fact that people are gasping for breath on ventilators. But can I just tell you the honest truth? They're not the only people dying. There are people dying all over the planet right now. People being tortured for their faith and what they believe in. There are people dying of cancer right now. Death is going to visit everybody, no matter what means it comes to. It's going to visit everybody at some point. But I'm telling you right now, no matter what, God is still in control. I love what Jesus said. So we had, he, he's, God proved he was greater than Pharaoh, and then Jesus proved he's greater than Satan. But man, listen, when you're in the human element, as Jesus was, and he was face-to-face with the person that really could release him from this next moment, it was Pilate. But Jesus still showed that he was greater than Pilate. So listen to this in John chapter 19 and verse 9. Jesus approaches Pilate. Pilate brings him into his quarters. They have this conversation, and Pilate says to Jesus. Pilate was the governing official in in all of Jerusalem at that time. He was a Roman 
uh, governor, if you will. In John 19, it says this in verse 9. Pilate says to Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus gave no answer. Understand why they do that. And I know before you read this, you say, well, he was the son of God. He's Jesus. Of course he could do this. Listen, he was the son of God, but he was also the son of man. He had the same thoughts that you have. Don't you think for a minute that he questioned the cross. If he didn't question the cross, then what do you, how do you explain the conversations in Gethsemane? Jesus did not want to go through with it. He had to dig in deep. And push aside the human nature and say, I submit to God's will for my life. But here he stands in the court, in, in the quarters here of, of Pilate. And Pilate says to you, Pilate says to Jesus, why don't you talk to me? He demanded. Listen to this. Don't you realize that I have the power to release you or the power to crucify you? And then Jesus, one of my favorite statements of Jesus. Then Jesus says to Pilate, you have no power over me unless it were given to you by my Father which is in heaven. I love that statement because he almost just, he almost pushes Pilate over the edge. He tries to push him a little further to say, you don't have any authority unless it's given to you by my Father which is in heaven. In other words, to say this, whether you release me now or I am crucified in the next few moments, it doesn't matter. All authority and power come from my Father in heaven. And I trust him now. In this moment, as I will in that moment when my time comes. He had no fear of death. And ultimately, the reason that Pharaoh, Satan, and Pilate do gain ground, or we would say it this way, COVID-19 gains ground, is because they fight with the threat of one common thing, and that is the fear of death. Let that sink in for a moment, because I know if you're watching right now, you're, you may be young. Maybe you've got the kids in the room. They're thinking, that's not possible. I'm, in, I'm, I'm like Superman. I can beat this, because you've been told that you know, this thing doesn't affect young people. It, it only affects the elderly and those who have health issues. And maybe that might be the case. But irregardless of what COVID-19 is affecting or who it affects or what category you might fit in, I can promise you this. All of us, myself included, all of us fit in this Small moment of time that we live in right now that one day will be visited with death. And it's what people are afraid of today. It's not, it's not really the virus. It's kind of like when I heard one person say one time, you know, when you're younger, you used to jump over things. You know, the higher you were, you jumped your bicycles. You I used to make big ramps, and I would jump my bicycle. And as you get older, you ask people, hey, let's do this. Let's go jump this. Let's go bungee jump. You know, I remember the first time I bungee jumped, and you know, it was, it was awesome. I love it. Like, yeah, this is so great. I tried to get my uncle and other people to do it who were older than me. And they said, nah, it's not for me. I said, why not? Why not? And I was like, you're on a bungee, man. Just go. And he said, it's not the bungee I'm afraid of. It's what's at the bottom in case the bungee doesn't hold. No one's afraid of the virus. It's what is at the end of the tunnel. It's not the investment I'm afraid of losing. It's the ultimate thing I'm afraid of losing, and that is my life. So this week, I had a chance to uh, catch up with my good friend, uh, Pastor Steve Holsinger. And if you don't know him, he's preached for our church a number of times. And Pastor Steve um, is a very unique individual, and I mean that in the, in the, in the greatest sense of honor. Um, he's a man of few words until you get him talking about the Bible or in a, a passionate uh, remodeling project. But um, I, I traveled with him to Sudan, South Sudan, and spent a lot of time with him over there, almost uh, 12 days actually. 
And, you know, he's a man of few words unless he gets on the Bible and gets into spiritual matters or, like I said, a good home remodeling project. But I had the time to sit down with him this week, and we recorded a conversation. And, you know, what he said really gave perspective to a lot of things that we're going through. So I want you to see this. Take a look at this video, and then I'll be back here in just a moment. So I think that you see uh, from hearing Pastor Steve, um, one of the things that all of us could do today (laughs) is revisit the idea that heaven is real. And like some of the old uh, preachers used to say, when we were in Bible college, they said, you know, there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. I mean, they would just preach that, you know, at us. And it's so true that sometimes I think we get going in our lives so fast and we've been so fast-paced for so many years that all of a sudden life has really come to a halt in a good way. I really believe in a good way for a moment to reflect and to ask ourselves some real questions and to ask ourselves, man, if I... If I do go out, if, if this virus is it, man, or there's other means of whatever, the, the idea that says, I'm afraid of death. You know, all of us in some way, I'm sure, are afraid of it. I mean, like I said, I'm kind of like the guy who sang the song, like Joe Diffie, you know. I, I mean, I want to go to heaven. I'm just not really eager, eager, eager to go right now. I, I, I want to do some more stuff, you know. But ultimately... The future for all of us as a believer in Christ is heaven. And it's a beautiful place. Everything that I read in Scripture is a beautiful thing. But for all of us that are here today and we're struggling with this idea that what we really are afraid of is not necessarily a virus, but it's death. Let me just assure you today with a verse of Scripture that I go back to sometimes and I, it's out of Hebrews and and I read over it sometimes whenever I, since fear getting a grip on my life or getting too close to me. Hebrews 2, chapter 13 says this. Talking about Jesus. Jesus says, and, and he was quoting these verses about what the Lord would say. But he says, I will put my trust in him. That is, I and the children God has given me. Because God's children are human beings, made of flesh and blood. The Son also became flesh and blood. So understand, he knows what it's like to be in your situation. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil, who, watch this, had the power of death. And only in this way could he set free. Come on, that's two great words right there. You ought to write down, stick it on your refrigerator, move all your kids' homework assignments out of the way, kick off all the textbooks off the thing, write down set free. He could write this through that, set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Jesus came not just to save us, not just to get you a ticket to heaven, but he came to take away the fear of death. He abolished it. The Bible declares, Paul would say this, oh death, where is thy sting? Where is it? It's just simply like a a transition from this moment to that. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Do we understand how amazing that is that if I stop breathing here in this life, I just open up my eyes to a new life in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a beautiful thing, but Jesus came to abolish death and to do away with the spirit of death and the fear of death. 
And we need to be reminded about that from time to time, about eternity, that we're not here on this earth forever, but just a short time. And eternity is very much all of our destinations. You know, as I close out today, I think about this, and I think about where maybe you are at your house. And I think about maybe what you're afraid of, maybe what you're struggling with right now. And my prayer is this today, that God has a track record all throughout Scripture of delivering His people. And in the process, some people in that process of deliverance did not make it to the promised land. It's a reality. You know, Moses fought very hard, led people well, but he did not inherit the promised land. Joshua did. Joshua led a great group of people. But if you really want to look at the truth of the matter, Joshua didn't see some of the things some of the others did later in life. Some of those like Isaiah who prophesied about Jesus and gave some of the most profound prophecies that have been fulfilled about Christ. He prophesied about Jesus, but he never saw Jesus. There were priests and those in the time of Jesus who saw him. He was there. But none of us have ever gotten to see Jesus physically raise the dead and heal the sick. The Apostle Paul, man, think about this. He preached and proclaimed about a day of the Lord's return, but he never got to see the Lord's return. We may not get to see the Lord's return, but one day somebody will. Not every person always makes it through every season and every challenge of life, but ultimately in the end for the believer. It's not about the moment here. It's about the destination. And today, as I pray for you, I want to remind you of this, and if you're there and maybe you're concerned about your destination, I, I really feel in my heart that there may be some of you watching today and you clicked on because a friend invited you, but the thing that you're afraid of most is not whether you've washed your hands enough. It's not even getting sick. But what this has done is caused some attention to be placed on something greater than a virus, and that is fear of death. But I can assure you this, that God is greater than death. So I want to pray for you right now. Just where you are, if you're there at home, and maybe you're listening in your car, or maybe you're you know, watching on, on your phone, maybe at a store or somewhere. I don't know where you're at, but you're there and you're hearing what I'm saying, man. And you're saying, I don't know how to release myself from this fear. You can't do that. Only Jesus can do it. So I want to pray for you right now. If you're here, just acknowledge this. Just close your eyes, maybe just in a moment of respect before the Lord and bow your head. And the Bible declares this, if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. Just with your eyes closed, right where you are, I'm going to pray for you. And I just want you to repeat this just out loud. You can pray this out loud with your family. You can pray this out loud with just you. But I want you to pray this with me now. Say, dear Jesus, I come before you today and I submit my life to you. I acknowledge, Lord, that I need you. And I'm afraid. I'm afraid not just of a virus. I'm afraid of death. I don't know what is on the other side. But if you'll have me, and if you'll forgive me, as Pastor Jody says, I'll give you my life today. So dear Jesus, I make you the Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sin. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. 
Man, listen, if you prayed that prayer, we're so proud of you right now. Everybody on church right now on Facebook, come on, you give them hearts, give them thumbs up, whatever that thing will let you post, man. Just let them have it. Let them know how much you love them right now. We can't clap for you necessarily because nobody's in the room, but man, online, you guys can let them. I mean, you can blow up the hearts. You can blow up the thumbs up, whatever you can make the thing do. Let them know, man. Give them a party right now. We're so, so proud of you for praying that prayer. There are folks online right now that can help you begin your next steps following God in this journey and following Jesus in discipleship. If you'll just let us know, man, what you need, if you'll just reach out to us through one of the links that are there, man, we'll help you begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're watching on your phone, it may be a little limited on there, but what you can do is just go onto our website at cornerstonerome.com. All the information is there. Reach out to us, and we want to help you get started walking with Jesus. Hey, don't forget um, a couple of things. Just don't forget Wednesday. We're going to start at 8 o'clock live with Ryan Silberman from Israel Live as we talk about Passover and what it means for your life. It's going to be a great, great time. And as always, before we go, man, we love to pray this over uh, you as a church family. And more now than ever before, this means so much to me. But in numbers, this is the blessing that Aaron was commissioned by the Lord to speak over the people of Israel. And Moses was not a part of this. This was Aaron's blessing. He was one of the priests declared by God to declare this blessing. And this is in Numbers chapter 6 and verse 24. It says this, May the Lord bless you, and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And that's our prayer for you today. Listen, we love you guys. We miss you. Praying for you so much. And uh, praying that this all sorts out soon and we get back to church and, and get back to seeing each other again. But just know this in the meantime, we love you guys. We're praying for you. God bless you. and We'll see you soon. If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time. Thank you.